Hello everybody, this is Sasha from Sex Talks, and today I'm so happy to welcome with us uh, somebody who has been so special to me and to so many of the speakers of this summit. She was our mentor in um, our training as sex, love, and relationship coaches with Layla Martin's program. And she's um, an, a, a former somatic psychotherapist who is now a coach. And she teaches people around the world and sees people around the world. And she's an expert in trauma. So welcome, 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 Shelby. Thank you so much, Sasha. It's so good to be with you. It's been way too long, and I just feel so honored to be here. I'm so, so happy. I just so very happy. <laughs> it's so exciting when you, uh, at some point, see somebody that was so um, important in your, in your development, in your professional development, and now you can speak to her, like, one-to-one. -one. It feels like... Empowering and beautiful. <laughs> oh, it feels like a really special moment for me, too. So, I really wanted to invite Shelby to share with us because there, there is this topic about sexuality that few people speak about openly. Then again, everybody experiences at some level, which is all the, all the pain and stress and, and, and sorrow that can be stored in our body and that can and that can be triggered strongly with sexuality. So um, I, I would really like to, to have this conversation, to open the conversation about trauma. How is trauma connected to our sexual life? Mm. Well, that is a huge, huge and important question that I'm so glad you're asking because so many of us, me included, jump into all of this healing around sex and sexuality without any awareness that we might be carrying some trauma. And it can, if we don't have this awareness and if we aren't able to really hold it in a tender and present way, it can we can be thinking we're moving towards sexual healing, but we can get really, really overwhelmed really quickly and have no idea what's going on. And so maybe first I'll just say a little bit about what trauma is for folks that that's new to. And a long time ago, we used to think that trauma was the event, was the scary thing that happened. And these days we're recognizing that trauma is simply dysregulation of the nervous system and it can like the same thing could happen to two people but both people would walk away and one person would be really dysregulated become very overwhelmed become quite stressed have a lot of tension or contraction in their body and another person would walk away feeling absolutely fine and normal and back to day-to-day -day life and so that's how we know that it's not the event. It's actually how our bodies, our hearts, and our minds respond to the event. And so when I say dysregulation in the nervous system, that shows up in a whole bunch of different ways. It can show up uh, in our bodies, and most of the time it's some sort of contraction, some sort of tension, because when something becomes so overwhelming that we can't process it, we tend to hold, we hold our bodies and we hold our breath and then we kind of hold like that 
forever until we find some support to allow it to often and release and melt. And so the trauma really is, I like looking at it as it's something that happens that is just too overwhelming for us to process that we don't have internal or external support for. And so it gets stuck and it can be a huge giant thing like sexual assault or rape. And it can be little things that happen over and over again, like having our bodies objectified or being told we should be a certain way in order to be expressing our sexuality. It could be conditioning. It can be all, it can be so many different things. And so I love that these days we're just making space for, it could be anything and each person responds differently. I love the dimension, but I think that's so important. I have seen, um, and even I experienced that when we started the conversation about trauma in our training, there is this sensation of, hey, but nothing really bad happened to me. And then we start comparing it. Like, well, yeah, maybe something happened, but it's not as bad as something that happened to this other person. Well, yeah, it's bad, but it's not as bad. And we start disqualifying and invalidating that which, which is a reality for our body. Yeah. And living in that, in that sensation of neglect, like, like neglecting our experience and the experience of others, right? Because I have seen other people doing that comparison also about the trauma of others. Like, I, why are you complaining about it? This is not as bad as whatever other thing. Mm. And that's kind of normal when you're speaking about common people, but when you're speaking about people that is taking care of others, it can become a real issue. Like this bypassing, this spiritual and, and even psychological bypassing. Hey, just get over it. Yeah, no, I don't know if you saw me, but I just rolled my eyes because... Uh, it's so uncomfortable and so painful to feel the impact of what it's like when somebody invalidates another person's experience or when we compare ourselves to other people. It's, it's violent what we can do to each other and to ourselves when there has been pain, there's been harm, and there's been damage. And I love that you mentioned this spiritual or psychological bypassing because yeah, in the coaching communities and therapy communities and spiritual communities, so many people will just are programmed to just look past it. Oh, let's just focus on what's good. Let's just focus on um, the joy and the pleasure. And, and for somebody with trauma, that can be actually quite threatening and really invalidating. And to be dismissed in that way for going, for not being allowed to have all of those feelings and be carrying that experience, it does further damage instead of what people are really intending, which is trying to help them feel better. Yeah. Oh, I just breathe deep into that reality because that, that compassion can really change the world. Like seeing the pain of others and seeing our pain with compassion and without trying to bypass this experience and to compare it. And, it's just a game changer. Yeah. You know, I have, I've been working one-on-one -on -one with clients for over a decade now, and both as a coach and as a psychotherapist. And I have found 
over and over again that if I go in there and I try to like judge what's happening or I think I, I pity what's happening or I feel like, oh, we need to fix this so that you can move on and feel better, people immediately feel worse. But when I come in and I just make all of the space in the world for whatever is happening to be happening, whatever feelings are there to be felt, that people immediately start feeling more free, more free to be themselves, more free to connect with their bodies, their emotions, because there's space for them to start breathing. Like you said, you just took a big, deep breath. And it's like, Oh, when we can welcome all of this instead of trying to fix it and figure it out, which so many of us are conditioned to do, something really beautiful can happen. And then something that I loved about learning about trauma, becoming trauma aware, was the, the reactions, the common reactions that we have when our nervous systems get overwhelmed. Uh, I would love to hear from you about these reactions that I also see don't only relate to, um, and I want to emphasize in that, don't only relate to sexual trauma, but to this overwhelm, even in life, like right now with the coronavirus and, and, and the stress and the fear, we, we can immediately jump into these reactions. I would love to hear about this from you. Yeah, so some common trauma responses are we hear fight, we hear flight, freeze, collapse. Some people use fawning, and so I can break those down a little bit of how that can show up. There, there are a lot, but those are some big ones to look for. And so if we're in fight, that can look like fighting towards someone else, being angry, blaming, feeling resentful, kind of pushing the world away. It can also look like being really, really self-critical, <laughs> really judgmental, beating ourselves up and being stuck in this internal place of fight instead of being feeling safe enough to actually be with what's underneath that, which might be some fear or some hurt. So fight, and that can show up in our bodies, like a lot of tension or an impulse to just get out of there, to be chronically kind of running from situation to situation or person to person, just on the move, in motion. Flight, so, oh, sorry, <laughs> that was flight, is the chronically person to person running on the move. Um, that's a different kind of tension in the body. It's funny, when I did that in my body, I naturally just felt my, my habitual impulse. My own is to run. It's not so much to fight. So fight is more of the holding. Flight is the wanting to be in the movement. And um, flight can look like actually wanting to check out. It can look like sometimes going a little numb. It can look like distracting. And um, being busy, yeah, like kind of moving away from sexuality, sex, connection, whatever it is right now, you were mentioning the coronavirus, you know, like really distracting from what's really happening and how you really feel about that. Freeze, can it's the highest level of activation. It's, it's if we were an animal in a wild, in the wild, it would mean we couldn't run and we couldn't fight. And so we had to just shut down all systems because we were so frightened. And so that can look like being immobile, not being able to move, 
barely being able to breathe, barely being able to advocate for our needs, say what we want, say what, say anything, really. We can be in freeze towards ourselves. like I don't want to touch, touch myself. I don't want to offer pleasure to myself. I just shut down. And that can also look like collapse, like sleeping a lot. It can look like helplessness of just like, I am a victim to this world and it, I don't know what to do about it. I can't be in action around it. And with freeze, the muscles can be actually quite loose, kind of like if you're really sad or depressed or tired, they, could, they might also be so tight because you're so immobile. And then I mentioned fawning because so many people can relate to this. <laughs> they fawning is where we attach to people and we please them. We try to do everything we can to maintain that connection. We want them to like us so that they can help keep us safe. We can maintain that sense of belonging and love. And we kind of leave ourselves to try to get them to do what we need them to do so that we can be safe. And I can certainly resonate with that. I, the amount of times I've traded my authenticity for connection is more times than I would like to mention, but it's a trauma response. That, that was so mind blowing when I learned about the phone response, because I mean, we, I have heard about the previous one, because when they explain you about nature, it's easy to identify that. But the phone response seems more conditioned to humans. It seems like something we humans learn how to do to survive in our earliest stages of development. It seems very, very much imprinted in our, in our conditioning, as, especially as women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I didn't used to mention fawning because it wasn't the way that I was taught in my trauma trainings, but I have seen it over and over and I've seen how people light up when we talk about it and they're like, oh, that's something I do and I, I need to be aware of this. And I love that you just mentioned developmental and imprint. I'd love to share a little bit about what lit up for me. <laughs> Right now, I'm just so passionate about working with developmental trauma and um, in a really incredible training about it where we're working with touch and, uh, and I can do that even through the computer, like just energetically um, working with the body, which would, would take more time to explain. But it's the imprints that we carry, even from pre-birth, you know, even before then, generational imprints. We are already carrying traumas from the people who came before, from the person who carried us in their womb, you know, and we're coming into this world already with little ruptures and little things that were stressful. And for certain beings, those little things can feel enormous and we can carry them throughout our life without even knowing that this is an imprint. It's not actually something that's happening right here in the present moment. It's something that's impacting me from decades ago. I think that is so impactful to know because if we look back, it's like we have, we have been coming from generations of trauma, from, uh, from 
the way in which women were treated, or slavery, or uh, colonization, or just um, the way in which in which we were taught how to live or survive at the very the very early uh, moments of our families. So it, it's like we we are dragging story, and it's important to know that it's not ours. That we can heal that. That we can recognize that and heal that. A lot of what we do is what we learned how to do. And it is, yeah, it depends on your belief system, you know, and it's like, what did you come into this life with? What, what's in your DNA from the generations before? And we can become so overwhelmed and not even know like, oh my goodness, this isn't about this thing that's happening right now. This is about how I learned how to be with this from so long ago and I'm just doing what I learned how to do and that can bring so much compassion and that's the magic word compassion I, I find that that can be uh, that and validation I have found that um, that that is also part of the magic recipe just validating whatever is going on and having compassion for what is going on yeah, it is <laughs> the silliest magic ever because it works and it's true and it's it's simple yet hard, you know, practicing compassion, really having enough space inside ourselves for all of the ways that we close our heart to ourselves and to others. It definitely takes willingness and courage and practice and guidance sometimes. But once we have a taste of it or a sense of it, it's like the best medicine ever. It can embrace every single thing that we run into. And from that place, then we have the wisdom of how, what choices we want to make around it. How do we want to be with it? Yes. Um, I, I would love to ask you, if a person is there listening to this, to this conversation and suddenly starts thinking, okay, do I have trauma? How can I recognize that in myself? What happens in my body? How can I identify that I'm having one of these reactions? Mm. This is a good question because it can show up so differently in every single person. And one thing that I am pretty adamant about as a, you know somebody who sees individual clients and helps them work through a lot of trauma is to never be like you have trauma <laughs> to never point it out for them because it's really unless it feels like just the right moment and just the right piece of information but mostly it's like oh this is something that has to be discovered individually in a self-discovery process and i guess part of that might be like listening to a, a talk like this and going oh hmm, I resonate with that. I wonder if I carry some trauma. And so the very first marker that I look at is reactivity. You know, like, is it really hard to simply respond to situations from a place of presence and centeredness and feeling yourself, knowing who you are? Or are you constantly, like, reacting very quickly, a snap judgments and going into kind of a protection mode or a shutdown mode where there's maybe a lot of crying, a lot of helplessness. Um, and there's not quite a sense of steadiness to come home to. 
on a regular and sustainable basis. When there's a lot of dysregulation in the nervous system, we have maybe a lot of tension, a lot of dizziness and restlessness in the body. Um, that's for some people. For others, it's like they just want to sleep all day long. That was me. I just didn't want to be awake in the world because it hurt so much. Getting out of bed still is like, I'm picturing like what coming out of a birth canal, like do I really, can I handle this? Am I too sensitive for this? Like, oh, what choices do I need to make? To, you know, I go into this collapse, this, I can't do this by myself. This is hard. And I'd rather just go back to bed kind of experience, which is very, very trauma-based. And then I'll also, like if I'm in a romantic relationship and I feel abandoned or rejected, I go to the biggest anxiety in the whole world where it just feels like everything is collapsing around me. And that's a sign of trauma. It's like everything is so big and so dramatic that I don't have the capability to, to remind myself, you're an adult, you're safe, you're loved, <laughs> it's okay. So we kind of leave our adult self and we're operating from these other smaller or younger parts of ourselves, not always, but often. And those ones are kind of running the show. Yeah. And need for safety. I love that, that what you're describing, the, the, the idea is around feeling safe enough to be in the world, to, to deal with everything that's coming your way. So it feels like this regulation has a lot to do with safety, with finding our place of safety. Yeah. I could, I could say that is another very important part of the, of the recipe. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's, there's love, safety, and belonging. And safety is right up there. And it's like when we've experienced trauma, our system is so frightened. We're so frightened. And sometimes so frightened we think we could die. And... Um, even in these little, you know, if I remember being in like elementary school or middle school where it's like, oh, I feel rejected from that group. I feel like I could die. You know, my system experiences it as though it's a catastrophic accident, you know. And so when we carry fright, we do not feel safe. We become so overwhelmed that we disconnect from any sense of support and experience of safety whether it's in ourself our connection to the earth our belonging to the earth our connection to god or the divine or higher power nature our connection to our community and our people it just becomes really severed and so the more we can build connections to safety inside and out like how can i feel safe with myself how can i feel safe in the world and beyond that really uh, grows our ability to be regulated. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I just want to, to emphasize in that for everybody listening, the importance of this regulation of our nervous system, how trauma is not about, uh, it's not about one event, but it's about the regulation of our, of our system. And it's about overwhelm, feeling uh, like we, can't handle everything that's coming our way. 
And right now I think it's so important to speak about it because it feels overwhelming. When I, when I was in the Facebook earlier, I could feel that sense of overwhelm. People in the street is starting to feel overwhelmed. So that, that is such a reminder to have compassion and connection and to go back into safety. Yeah, yeah. A phrase that I use when I'm overwhelmed and needing some compassion is it makes so much sense that I feel this way. It's something that I just caught years ago and I, it was the one thing that taught me self-compassion finally after trying so many forms. Because, oh, it makes so much sense that I feel this way. Let, let me tell you, for me, um, that was one of the most important aspects of our training. When you taught us that and, and, and Leila taught us that, when that was included in the program, it was like, oh my God, how healing, how refreshing, how validating. It's just, I'm not crazy. It's not, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with me. It makes sense. And as a coach, I have applied that medicine to my to my sessions to my clients and i can see how that makes that difference in them it's a shift it's just like i can relax there's nothing wrong with me because it makes sense something that really goes along with trauma for most people is shame and one way that i look at how i define shame is either I am wrong and bad, or like there is something just fundamentally wrong and bad about like how I am in the world. And when we can, as coaches or as, you know, people who are holding space for others or ourselves, when we can be committed to going, there is something about this reaction, this behavior, this way of being in the world that makes with people in a different way that's really really sweet and supportive it froze for a, for a little second but the, the word that, that was not completely completed was that makes sense right when you when we can really uh, make sure we're looking at our clients and their behaviors and what they're doing and how they're doing it and we can align with this there has got to be something that makes sense about this yeah. we really we're supporting them in such a different way than so many other people are that's, that's medicine i have experienced that medicine in my heart and i have shared that medicine it's just it's a game changer one can see the healing happening in front of your eyes when you validate the experience it's so beautiful. That If that is the one thing I can leave this world with, <laughs> it's validating, stopping, dismissing people for having the whole spectrum of feelings that they're supposed to have because they're a human being. It's like, I would love for people to be doing that more for each other. Yes, and I really, I really have so much to thank you because of that. that, that is really, the, the best medicine that I have been carrying in the, in the last year since this sensation of sense. <laughs> so, because that shame that you just spoke about, it's maybe one of the most difficult parts of, of 
being a human. Like we carry on this shame for, for things that are not even our doing sometimes. Yeah. Oh, it's so insidious. And I really didn't understand how deep it went uh, until just recently for myself. And I was like, this, this is, I was like, I praise Brene Brown. <laughs> you know, like, I am so glad we're starting to become aware how, sh how shame feels, how it shows up, what we sound like to ourselves and each other when we're perpetuating shame. Because I think if the uh, traumatic events just happened, we might be pretty okay. But when we layer this, I am bad, I am wrong, or this is bad, this is, you know, it just, it's so hard to get out from underneath when we do that to ourselves. It's really heavy and it's really, really painful. Thank you so much for sharing this medicine. I think that if people can take something from this conversation is this sense of validation, like exploring their own reactions and exploring their, their uh, this validation of how they, it makes sense and how shame is part of this traumatic response. So I want to, oh my God, I'm so excited to share this. Uh, Shelby has this program where she teaches coaches how to create this safer space. It's creating safer space. And it's so important and so uh, relevant in an industry that uh, sometimes is very much, like we were speaking earlier, focused on bypassing. Like, just get over it. Don't Stop being a victim. And stop, uh, you're creating this and you call this. And this is like, uh, stop doing that. Let's go back into compassion and let's create safer spaces for our people. And Shelby teaches that. She, mm -hmm. she has this beautiful program and she's also going to create a retreat pretty soon uh, in the summer. So I would love for you to tell us a little bit about these two beautiful events. Sure. Yes. Creating Safer Space has been a passion project that I launched couple of years now already um, that I filmed while I was living in Bali and it's all online. It's for coaches, therapists, facilitators of any kind and it's really that we can have the best of intentions in the world but without having some trauma awareness um, we might be harming much more when we're aware of this and so it's a very loving program with a lot of information and it's also very body-based very somatic so that we as givers can be regulated as we're welcoming folks with trauma because let's be real pretty much everyone we work with has trauma <laughs> and the uh, the retreat oh my gosh i'm just so excited we have it all planned already my friend and colleague myra holtzman from denver she's a trauma specialist and a somatic psychotherapist she's also facilitating dance and so we are welcoming about 20 female identified individuals uh, to Bend, Oregon, where my home is these days in the United States. And it's going to be so different. I used to teach very serious Buddhist meditation retreats. And this time it's going to be playful, connecting. We're going to do a lot of mindful relating, a lot of eating like really juicy, delicious food, understanding how pleasure and um, 
just ease can bring a lot of regulation into the nervous system and resilience. And we're going to do some gentle breath work and maybe howl at the moon if the moon's out. And I want to bring this idea that healing doesn't have to be hard. And I'm inviting folks who have just been going at it, just trying so hard to figure out what's wrong and doing everything they can to come and connect and learn some different ways of meeting what it is that they've been working with and carrying. Yes, please. The healing doesn't have to be hard and so serious and so intense. We can heal and, and ease into it. I love that. Yeah, and that doesn't mean we're bypassing the whole retreat. We're just meeting everything with a, a different sense. We're, and we're focusing more on being than doing together. Oh my God, I'm so excited for this. So, um, down below in the description of the video, there's going to be the page of, of uh, where you can uh, reach Shelby and her social media. Second, you can reach uh, to her and ask her questions and go to her events and join Creating Safer Spaces as well. Thank you so much, Shelby, for this beautiful conversation. Oh, thank you. I, as I was talking to you, I noticed just how good it felt to be in this conversation and how important it feels. And it feels like my activism and I just love being joined in it and being asked to show up and talk. It's one of my favorite things because I just want the world to feel safer for everybody. Yes, me too. I love that. I and mean, I really thank you for that. Thank you thank so you. much.